Thanks for joining us on the Hope Podcast. Hope Community Church exists to love people where they are and help them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. By pursuing this relationship together, we can change the world. We have multiple locations, including an online service found at gethope.tv. If you're not from the greater Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina or near our Agape campus in Haiti, we'd love to still have you be a part of what Hope is up to through our online services. If you do live in our physical area, go to our website at gethope.net to check out where our campuses are located and our service times. Please like and share this with your friends or family. We are so glad you stopped by. Well, Hope Community Church, how's everybody doing? Yeah. Listen, I am so incredibly thrilled to be sharing with you this week. I've got a couple of things that are incredibly important and vital in the life of our church, and I can't wait to get to talking to you about them. Number one is going to be a bit more informational, but it's incredibly important as we look to the direction that we are actually heading as a church, so that's going to be valuable. The second is actually something that over the last few weeks... I believe God has just been putting on my heart and it's something very specific for us as Hope Community Church right now where we sit in this world that's around us. And I'm telling you, if, if we'll actually lean in, uh, if we'll pay attention to this thing, if we'll actually apply it to our lives, I believe that each and every one of us will be changed uh, and that our community around us will be changed. And so I wanna encourage you with that. Listen, uh, because of the sake of time, I'm just gonna jump right in. All right, I'm gonna kick this thing off. Uh, we are gonna start out having a conversation about the teaching pastor role and how it fits into the teaching team here at Hope Community Church. All right, and so to do that though, uh, we gotta understand we've got people that are in this room across all of our campuses on gethope.tv, some of which who have been around Hope for 25 to 27 years, and some of which who have been around Hope for 25 to 27 minutes. And so if that's you, welcome to Hope. We're so glad that you're here with us. And uh, here's what I'd say to you. We're gonna have a little bit of family talk up front, but then again, if you'll stick with us in a moment, we're gonna hit some things that I know uh, will allow you to leave changed. To get us all on the same page though, we've gotta go back to February of 2021. All right, February of 2021, uh, our founding pastor, our senior pastor, Mike Lee, he actually retired. And so what that led to was a leadership transition but not your standard leadership transition where you just take one person out and then put somebody else in. After you've been at a place for 27 years, uh, that takes a very unique set of giftings, a unique set of passions that Mike had. You're not just going to replace that, right? And so uh, on top of that, if you just roll back the clock uh, just a couple months, we had a little thing happen to us uh, that we call 2020. All right. Uh, And so that impacted us. And what happened during 2020 and what's happening right now, um, economists will tell you this, sociologists will tell you this. What that was for us was what's called a structural break. Okay. And if you don't know what a structural break is, a structural break is an actual time in the course of human history, whether it's a day or a period where everything is going to be different moving forward. And life is a little bit different right now, you know? And so what that tells us is is that everything that that, that happened that led us to thriving as individuals, uh, through our organizations, our businesses, even as a church, for us to continue to thrive moving forward, there's going to have to be some type of change. And so our elders were actually at that time already beginning to have some of those conversations. But here's what, they, here's what they decided to do. They said, okay, now we've got to speed some things up. And so they spent a tremendous amount of time just going through scripture and saying, okay, God, what must the church look like? What doesn't the church have to look like? They spent time talking to other leaders at other churches. And we spent a tremendous amount of time just going before God and saying, God, what is the way forward for us at Hope Community Church? 
And where our elders landed was to say, here's what we need to do for the way forward. We need to separate out this role of lead pastor and separate it from the function of teaching pastor. Uh, for a number of reasons, of which I'll cover here in a minute, but, but really the size and the scope of who we are as a church uh, and, and all that we're involved in around the world, it just requires separating those things out. So you have this lead pastor role that's responsible for ultimately the, the spiritual vitality of the church, making sure that the spiritual climate is healthy, making sure that the church is advancing and moving towards its mission and its vision, and, and ultimately responsible for making sure that we, alongside of the elders, making sure that we have a biblically functioning church of which that teaching pastor component and what we do specifically on the weekends of the church is a part of. And so when they landed the plane there, uh, at some point in March, the elders then came to me and asked if I would be willing to assume the role of lead pastor at Hope Community Church, um, uh, not knowing everything that I know now in the crazy year that 2021 is, uh, my wife and I humbly said, yeah, absolutely, let's jump in this thing. And, uh, and I'll tell you, even for the last uh, six months or so, it's been a great privilege to serve in that role. But we knew right away, uh, myself, the lead team here on staff, alongside of our elders, had a huge job in front of us to figure out, so what are we going to do now with this teaching pastor role here at Hope? And so we went right back to the same place. We said, okay, here's what we need to do. We need to go to scripture. We need to say, what does the church have to be? What does the church not have to be? Uh, let's talk to some other churches. Let's see what's happening around the country. And then again, most importantly, God, what is the way forward for us as Hope Community Church? And so here's where we've landed. We have landed as a church that's saying um, the teaching function of Hope Community Church is going to be led and filled by a teaching team. I'll tell you what that means in a moment. Um, what it means is we have decided that we are not going to move forward in, in a traditional model that you've seen where you have one teacher teaching 90% of the time. And so before I get into what the teaching team looks like, I just want to talk for a minute about that why. All right, why would we move away from a model that clearly has been so successful? I mean, without that, I, I'm certain that Hope Community Church wouldn't be where it is today. So why? A couple reasons. Number one, as we've looked through scripture and as we've just kind of uh, taken a look at culture and where it seems that, that the church is moving, number one, I would say, we don't believe that it's actually healthy for the church. And so what does that mean? What that means is when you have one person up on a stage like this in these lights across uh, multiple campuses and thousands and thousands of people, what can happen if you do that week after week, month after month, year after year, is this little thing can develop uh, that, that can be where we can become addicted to a personality. Okay, some people would even go so far as to say a cult of personality. Now that has nothing to do with the individual that stands up here. That's not their heart's desire. I mean, their desire is actually say, hey, this isn't about me. This is about Jesus. But when you see that week after week after week after week, you think, hey, wait a minute. If that, if that person's not there, then that church is not what it's supposed to be. But when you read through scripture, you don't see that. You see that the church is actually about one person and one person only, and that's Jesus Christ. And so we want to make sure that we're not doing anything subconsciously to put anything in the way from the church recognizing that. Uh, number two, I would tell you this. I don't know if you've realized this or not, but it's not quite as easy for the church to gather as it used to be. You know what I'm saying? It's just not quite the same. And there's actually some people that would tell you, 
uh, it might not get a whole lot better. I mean, I, I'll just tell you, I believe that moving forward, the church, not just hope, but, but the church in general in our country is going to become under more and more persecution. And if you think that we're just starting to maybe lose some freedoms now, I think that it's probably about to turn up. And so if we're not careful, uh, if we even subconsciously teach our church that, this, that the church is actually about a weekend gathering that's built primarily around one person, what happens when the whole thing gets disrupted and now it's more and more difficult to come together to hear what that one person has to say. We don't want to run the risk of having a church that's ill-equipped to understand it's actually not about that one person. It's actually about Jesus Christ and it's about us going out into the community and being the church. So number one, we're worried about it. We're saying we don't believe it's the most healthy way forward. Does that mean it wasn't the right thing in the past? Does that mean other churches aren't going to continue to? No, it doesn't mean any of that. It means for us, this is the way forward now. The second thing that I would tell you, and I believe this more than I believe the first, I don't believe it's healthy for that individual. And uh, here's what I mean by that. I, I have friends that do this job uh, around the country. Churches the size of hope, churches bigger than hope, churches smaller than hope. And what I would tell you is the weight that comes from being responsible for opening the Bible week after week month after month, year after year, feeling responsible for, for bringing this down and putting this in, in tangible and practical ways that we can apply it to our lives over time is a weight and comes with it a weight that I cannot put into words unless you've actually experienced it. And I'm telling you, I've seen it eat people's lunch. Another thing that I'll tell you is so why I don't believe it's healthy. We don't believe it's healthy for one individual. Um, if that cult of personality thing is just even slightly true that we can potentially get addicted to people when you put one person under these lights on this stage across multiple campuses all over the country, all over the world, week after week, year after year. If that is true, something can happen to the best of us. Um, and I'll tell you right now, the Bible is pretty clear that man was never meant to handle well the glory of God. And so what happens is when we get in these situations over time, it's very possible that we can potentially start to believe the press a little bit. And it becomes, and, and I'm telling you, um, it, it becomes, and I'm telling you this from experience, it, become, it can become a bit more easy to start making decisions and to start moving down a path that you wouldn't normally go down. And then that leads to discouragement and then it just snowballs. And so I'm telling you, I don't believe it's healthy for the individual. Our elders don't believe it's healthy for the individual. Again, does that mean other people won't do it? Absolutely not. There's gonna be some people that can handle it for us and the way forward, that's where we're gonna land. And so at Hope Community Church, what you are going to experience is a teaching team, okay? And here's what that's gonna look like. Uh, you will have a primary teaching pastor which you will hear from about 60% of the time. And I'm gonna tell you who that is gonna be in just a moment. I know that's, you're like, would you just go to the thing and tell us what you're gonna do? This is great, man, thanks, come on. I'll get there in a minute, because I know all the emails that I'm gonna get. So this is very important. So there will be, okay? Because a lot of people are like, is it gonna be just as kind of unexpected as it was over the last six, seven months? No, absolutely not. We've been doing that to make sure that we can have our legs under us and we know with certainty where we're headed. One primary teaching pastor, 60% of the time. You're probably gonna hear from me six to eight times a year. You're still gonna hear from your campus pastors three or four times a year. We have some other communicators on staff that this primary teaching pastor is gonna be responsible for helping develop. 
And then on top of that, the other addition to our teaching team, we're actually going down a road right now where we are considering what it would look like to partner with another church around the country where we could bring in their teaching pastor and they could actually be a part of what it is that we do here and help us move down the field and further advance in our mission and vision and that we can partner with them and help them do the same thing. And so you wouldn't believe out of all the teachers that we've had here over the last six, seven months from other churches, just about everyone has said, you guys have no idea how incredible your church is. We would love to find a way to contribute to that in an ongoing way. And then and a few of them said, but not just in a way where we show up and teach. Like we actually want to be a part of what it is that God is doing so that we can know that we can partner together. We can help this church advance. You guys can be a part of what we're doing. And so we're engaging in that conversation. So at some point, I believe we're going to have some probably from, from another church who is with us six, eight times a year. Again, not eight random people coming in, one person that's here regularly helping us make sure that we're not just staying inward focused, but being, having our eyes focused on what God's doing around the country. So that's where we're headed. I'm about to tell you about the person. <clears throat> I want you to know about the process because I have gotten a number of emails about the process. I'm going to make sure we hit this once and for all. Uh, we opened up a search. Okay, we've been going this, through this for a few months. Uh, we had, initially, we had about 80 candidates from all over the country. Some phenomenal leaders, phenomenal preachers. Uh, we went through a bunch of, bunch of resumes. After that, uh, we got the list down quite a bit. And then we spent about three weeks listening to 50 different sermons. I'm a pastor, okay? I love a good sermon. That is more sermons than any human should ever have to endure in a three-week period. But we did it. All right. And so uh, we went through that. We were then able to, to, to get the list down to about 12 external candidates and four internal candidates. Uh, we went through a round of interviews. From there, we were able to get the list down to four external candidates and one internal candidate. Another round of interviews, two external candidates, one internal candidate, another round of interviews. From there, I was able to go to our elders and say, um, listen, um, these are great external candidates, okay? But when I compare them to what we have here, with all that's within me, I do not believe the ceiling is higher over here than what we already have. And so when you compare, yeah, you can clap for that. And then when you couple that with the fact that this person is already here, they know our mission and vision, they know what we're about, they love the people of hope as much or more than anybody else that I've ever met in my entire life, and they already have the trust of our con congregation clearly, I don't know why we would go outside to fill this role. And so the elders agreed to meet. They spent more time with this individual. Myself and Dr. Gary Vett on staff met with them uh, one last time as families, and we had some other conversations. And folks, I am so proud and so excited to let you know that your new primary teaching pastor as a part of this teaching team is our very own Chase Gardner. So I have known Chase for about a decade plus. Uh, when I first came back to Hope, he was already on staff here as our pastor of adult learning. He and his wonderful wife, Jenny, moved to Asheville to actually plant a church there where they were, a church in Asheville. They were there for a handful of years and have been back. He's been serving as the Raleigh campus pastor now for about three years. Uh, here's what I know about Chase. 
Every single time, we've always known he can handle God's word well. Okay, we've known that. But over the last six, seven months, every single time he's had an opportunity to jump in, he's done nothing but jump in and raise his game every single time and the value that he brings to this church community. And I cannot wait to see how God continues to work through him in the lives of helping uh, us get in God's word and understand it and apply it to our lives. So he is kicking off a brand new series next week uh, that we are calling Inside Out. He's gonna be speaking for the first three weeks of that. Where we're gonna be looking at all the effects and impacts of what's been going on around us with this pandemic, things like anger, uh, fear, addiction. And so you're not gonna to wanna to miss it. That gets started next week. Okay, we good? Yeah. Okay. <sighs> now I have a sermon to preach, so I'm excited about that. Uh, okay, just to get us started here for a minute, I want to do something, all right? And it's going to set us up for where we're going. I want everybody just to take a breath in and let it out. That feels good, doesn't it? It's feel good to breathe. Let's do it again. Breathe in. Let it out. Feels good, like we know we're supposed to breathe. Okay, this time... I'm going to have you take in a breath, and I'm going to have you hold it for 15 seconds. Stay with me. Just trust me. You can trust me. Stay with me. 15 seconds. Okay, ready? Three, two, one. Breathe in. Hold it. Five seconds. Ten. And breathe. Your breath smells good. That's nice. Okay, last one, I promise. Now this time, that wasn't so bad, right? This time I want you to take a deep breath and then I want you to hold it until I tell you to let it go and breathe again. It's okay, here we go. Three, two, one, breathe in. Hold it. Hold it. Someone coughed. I know they're breathing. They cough. Stop. Hold your breath. Hold your breath. Hold it. Hold it. You know the NFL starts tonight, right? Okay, stop. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, you can breathe. You can breathe. All right. Check on the person next to you. Make sure everybody's okay. All right. Isn't it interesting? All right, breathing is good. Isn't it interesting when you know... Even, even when you have to hold your breath, it's a little bit uncomfortable, but you know when like there's a definitive end to it, you can kind of make it. You're like, okay, I can hold my breath. I can make it till the end. And it's a little bit different when you have to hold your breath and you're thinking, okay, but how much longer? But how much longer? But how much longer? And what happens when we start to hold our breath and we don't know just a little bit, maybe just a little bit, we kind of just start to panic, right? Like what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? And then what happens when we start to panic a little bit? We maybe start doing some things that aren't normal. Doesn't it sound a little bit like that's what's going on in our life right now? I mean, if we just knew how long it was gonna last, right? So many of us, there were memes all over the place. Like 2020, man, we just kind of gave us the year of 2020. We got to 2021 and we get to day one, day two, day three. And we're like, wait, you mean COVID's still going up? <laughs> things aren't changing? And I mean, if Hope Community Church was your home, you know, this has been a crazy six, seven months. And then on top of that, we get to the summer, we're like finally the warm months, everything's gonna be great. And then we're like, wait, variant? Really? Variant? 
And then it's, then the whole thing flares up again, masks, vaccines, masks, vaccines. I'm telling you, I think we are one to two booster shots away from Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. I mean, the entire world. I mean, look, this is where we're headed. We are like post-apocalyptic. We are right on the brink. That's where we are. And uh, I know we're there. And I've been, again, I told you earlier, I believe the Holy Spirit, we just had a series on the Holy Spirit um, uh, about a month or so ago. And I believe the Holy Spirit has put this on my heart. And, and it, here's why I know that it's, it's necessary. I just shot a little video on my back patio about a week ago and sent it to our video team. And they sent it over uh, to the comm team and uh, they threw it on our Facebook page. And it was really just me sitting on a back patio saying, listen, I know the world is crazy right now. I know things are absolutely insane. Can we please just not forget what Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 11? He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest for your souls. And I just said, doesn't that, wouldn't that sound nice right now? Just a little bit of rest for our souls. And um, I mean, this thing, it was viewed thousands and thousands of times. It has nothing to, to do with me. It has to do with the truth of Jesus, right? And people, the comments on it and the number of times that it was shared. And I was talking to, to Gary Vett uh, the day after who, by the way, Gary is still on staff. So I had two people ask me in the last two weeks, is Gary Vett still on staff? Yes, Gary Vett's on staff. In fact, I don't know that I would have been as comfortable assuming the role of lead pastor at Hope if his office was not like right next door to mine. I mean, this is a guy who is a, a spiritual mentor for me, for so many others on staff. He actually sits in on our lead team meetings. It's kind of like a wisdom chair. He's at our monthly elder meetings doing the exact same thing. And so uh, for those of you that are wondering, yes, uh, Dr. Vett is still around. So you'll see him. Uh, but as I was talking to Gary, Gary said, and that was great. I wish you would have had time to actually make this thing practical and let them know what that means. And uh, I said, I agree. I said the exact same thing, but I was worried, concerned about time. And so here's what we're going to do for the rest of our time together. We're going to talk about what it means to, to make that as practical as we possibly can. All right. We know we live in a crazy world. We know Jesus says, if you come to me, I will give you rest for your weary souls. But how do we do that? And I want you to know in times where things get crazy, again, our tendency is to, to panic a little bit and to start behaving in ways that aren't normal and that aren't natural. But in just about every situation, the best thing that we can do in those moments, and I would tell you as a, as a coach, I would say, you just gotta go back to the basics. You gotta take a deep breath and you gotta go back to the basics. If it's football, it's blocking and it's tackling, right? If it's your organization, if you're, it's your business, what are you best in? If it's your marriage, how are you communicating? Are you listening well to one another? But you've always gotta go back to the basics. And so what I wanna share with you is a time in scripture where I believe Jesus goes about and makes it about as simple as I see anywhere else in scripture and he goes back to the basics. And so if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 22. If you don't have it, we'll have it on the side screens or if you're online, it'll just be right on the screen there. Matthew chapter 22. This is Jesus here in a moment, starting with verse 35. It says, one of them, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they're gathered around Jesus, the religious elite of the day. One of them, who was a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. He said, teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. What Jesus is saying is if we can get those two things right, love God and love our neighbor as ourselves, this whole thing right there, 
We're going back to the basics. And so here's what I want to do in the rest of our time together. I want to talk and get as practical as I possibly can around those two things. What does it mean to love God? And what does it mean to love our neighbors ourselves? Because I believe when Jesus is saying, come to me, all you who are weary, all you who are heavy laden, I will give you rest for your souls. That's because he knows when we come to him, our, our attention will be on him. It's not going to be on all the other stuff that's going on around us. And then if we are there and we understand the love that he actually has for us, we're going to be more set up to have restored relationships with those around us. That's where we're going to find peace and hope in our lives. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to start out by talking about what does it mean uh, to love God. But before I go there, I just want to address the why just for one moment. Because there might be somebody who can hear my voice right now and be thinking, wait a minute. You said Jesus said, come to me if I'm weary and heavy laden. I'm willing to do that. But now you're saying I have to love him and I have to love others. That sounds like more work. So just help me understand that. So I, I want to go there just for a moment. And, and many of you, may, maybe you know this, maybe you don't. But I know, again, I know the world's crazy. And so sometimes we need to be reminded of things. But let's just say that hypothetically, you were created to have all of your identity wrapped up in your relationship with God. And when if that relationship was healthy, then you would have peace, you would have hope, you would have purpose in your life. And let's just say that uh, in our relationships with other people, hypothetically, if these relationships were healthy, we would have peace and we would have hope in our lives. If that were true, hypothetically, what do we think would happen if those relationships were broken? We would not have the peace and the hope and the resiliency and the vibrancy and the joy in our lives that we were created to experience. And so let's start, stop talking for a moment about hypotheticals because really that's what's true, right? Because of our own rebellion in our lives, because of our own self and inward focus, uh, what the Bible would call sin, we know our relationship with God has been broken. And because of our own selfishness and, and rebellion, uh, our relationships with others around us have been broken. So why should we love God? Because God looks down on us and he sees that. And he sees a broken people who are weary and who are heavy laden. And he doesn't say, you gotta get your stuff together. In fact, he knows that we can't make it right. And so instead of doing that, he looks to Jesus. He looks to his son and he says, we need to go and make this right. And so Jesus willingly steps down from heaven into earth. He lives the life that none of us could have ever lived anyways. He gets to the end of his life and he actually takes the punishment and the penalty that we deserve to take because of our sin and our rebellion. And he's beaten and he's hung on a cross and he dies and he goes into a tomb. And three days later, he rises from the dead, overcoming sin and death once and for all. So that if we would just say, we believe in who Jesus is and what he has done, and we call him Lord and Savior of our lives, that relationship with God can once again be restored and we can find hope and peace and purpose and joy in our lives. And then we can then take that and understand that's how he loves us and we can love other people the same way and those relationships can be restored. Why should we love God? The Bible says that we love because he first loved us. And so if you're looking for a reason, I hope that's either a nice reminder or something that captivates you for the first time ever. And so that's why we should love God. So what does it look like then to actively love God? Great question. Two things. If you're going to love anyone, you've got two things. One, you have to know them. And two, you have to listen to them. If you're going to love someone, you have to know them and you have to listen to them. If you're here with a spouse, you keep your eyes straight forward, okay? You don't say one word to them about how they listen. 
We'll get to it, all right? How do we know God? There is no way, and look, I'm gonna keep this super simple and practical, okay? There is no way to really know who God is without spending time in his word, without spending time in scripture. And I know that that can sound intimidating. We're gonna talk about a way to make it very simple when we close things out here. But Romans says that we have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And the way that happens is by spending time in scripture. You know, the world throws things at us, whether it's through media, social media, it throws things at our kids, through their school systems, faster than we even realize. And if we're not spending time in scripture with all that's going on in the world around us, we're gonna forget who God is and we're gonna forget who we are. We've gotta spend time in scripture. Um, it's no secret right now. Uh, just about every study that you read will tell you that as a country, we are probably as emotionally and mentally and physically and spiritually unhealthy as we've ever been. And uh, we know that. Uh, so we actually gave our staff here at Hope a survey. And honestly, you know, things were not quite um, as bad. It was an anonymous survey that what we found was not quite as bad as what I actually anticipated. But what we did find was that there was a certain percentage that said that they believed that their life and work were so busy, so busy that they were having difficulty finding the time to actually engage with God through scripture and prayer. Now understand, um, I kind of grew up in a way that says, <clears throat> hey, you're a grown adult, okay? If you have to find a way to make decisions that are going to help you succeed in the areas that you need to succeed. At the same time, I am very thankful <laughs> that by God's grace and mercy, he doesn't come at me that way. And uh, so we talked about this as a lead team. And we said, here's what we're going to do, at least through the end of the year. If you work at Hope Community Church, if you work here, no meetings during work days from 9 to 9.30 in the morning. And we got everyone on our staff a devotional that actually has two devotions a day. And we said, this is your time to connect with God. Now, you're sitting there thinking, okay, <laughs> thanks for that. My boss ain't gonna go for it, all right? So I get that. I'm sorry that that's the case. In fact, they should. There actually are a growing number of companies that realize how vital our spiritual health is to our overall and holistic health. And so some companies are giving that time. But I've just said, listen, and I unapologetically, I want Hope Community Church to be the best place to work on the planet. And if these people are actually gonna be doing things to create an environment for God's church to move forward, I wanna do everything that I can do for them to be healthy. All I'm trying to tell you is, is I'm trying to practice what I preach here and I believe in it. Okay, and so if you are going to grow in your love and an affection for God, we have to find time to spend time reading scripture. Secondly, we have to listen. Uh, that's done through a thing called prayer. And prayer can sound a little bit out there, all right? It can be a little intimidating if you don't really know what it is. But here's how a lot of our prayers go. A lot of our prayers go, hey, God, I need you to do this and this. Listen, every morning when I pray with my kids, that my prayer is very, very close to the same. And, and they're in here actually right now. So they'll tell you this. This is great. I say, God, uh, thank you so much for my children. It is a privilege to be their father. Thank you for entrusting them to me. I pray today that you would watch over them, keep them safe, guard their hearts, keep them pure, uh, keep them out of jail. No, I'm just kidding, I don't pray that part. And, uh, and I pray that you would clothe them in the full armor of God and that they would live out your kingdom. But it's God, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this, and I want this. If that was the extent of my prayers, what type of love relationship would be 
with God. I will tell you, I think that's a great prayer. You should pray that with your kids. That's not all that our prayer life should be. And I'll, I'll take it a step further. So, so many of us, our, our, relation, our relationship with God revolves around just coming into a room like this. And we come in and we sing songs. So we're talking. Somebody else gets up and talks for a little bit. And then if it's a really crazy service, somebody else comes out and we sing another song. And so we're talking, we're talking, we're talking. And we never actually stop and reflect and listen. And I would ask you, what type of relationship would really exist and be healthy if that were the case. If I just went out on a date with my wife, Diana, and talked and talked and talked and talked and talked and talked and talked, and then went back home and said, hey, I'll see you next week, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. And so this is what I'm saying. We have to find times in our lives, again, where we sit down and we say, God, how can I be a better husband? God, how can, I be, how can I be a better parent? How can I be a better employee? How can I be a better neighbor? How can I be a better friend to people on Facebook? And then about that time, thunder claps and like lightning strikes because that's impossible. But we... I, um, a couple weeks ago, I was slightly stressed out. And I realized that probably four or five days had gone by that I actually hadn't slowed down. And I'll tell you, I run at a pretty fast pace, but I have learned some rhythms over the last year and a half that have tremendously helped me. And this just listening to God is one of them. And I, I, I dramatically felt it. And so um, <clears throat> my wife kicked me out. No, so I decided to go for a walk and it was gonna be about a 30, 45 minute walk. I came back 90 minutes later. And I was just filled uh, with this uh, fresh joy and an understanding and a peace with what was going on around me in my life. And I came home and I wrote down in my journal, I said, it is amazing that 40 seconds of quiet and listening to God can do more for my spiritual health and vitality than 40 hours of working for God. I'm gonna say that again, 40 minutes of silence and listening to God will do more for our spiritual health and vitality than 40 hours of working for God. And in our culture, we're told the completely opposite and we're more focused on doing than we are on being. If we're gonna love God, we have to take time to know him and to listen to him. Okay, we have to love our neighbors as ourselves. That's the next part. Thankfully, I don't have to spend a whole lot of time talking about that because we've just had two sermons back to back on that. Dave Ferguson was in here a few weeks back. And remember, he talked about the BLESS, an acronym, B-L-E-S-S, -S, that we need to, when it comes to loving our neighbors, we need to begin with prayer. And then we need to listen to them, right? Surprising, right? It's the same thing. We have to listen to them, right? And then we need to eat. And then as we listen and then we share a meal with them, we're going to come to know more about their life and their needs. And then this, the first S is serve, so then we can serve them to meet those needs. And then if the Lord opens an opportunity, we have an opportunity to share with them the hope that we have in Jesus. 
If you didn't hear the message, I encourage you to go back. He's got a book that's called Bless, Five Practices to Love Your Neighbors and to Change the World. So you can pick that up. Or you can go back and listen to Dwayne's message last week uh, where he talked about how we're salt and light in the world. And I think all of us would agree we could probably use a little bit more Dwayne Calvin in our lives. But by the way, I do want to point out that when Dwayne was on this stage preaching, he had a big Dodge Ram pickup truck and a tailgate scene and I'm out here with the table in a bougie chair, okay? And so I just kind of get to sit here and talk. And so <clears throat> next time I want a jacked up Toyota Tundra, a boat and a big green egg in the back of one of them, all right? And then I can come out and preach again. But no, Dwayne came out and he talked to us about what it means to be salt and light in the world. So go back and listen to those messages. Um, in a different gospel, in a different book in the Bible, Jesus tells the same story and somebody comes to him and says, okay, Jesus, well then who then is, who's our neighbor? And I don't have um, really the time to go fully into to how that worked out, but I will tell you this, that Jesus told a story that um, incited <laughs> anger and burn inside of them because he basically told them, uh, your neighbor is a person in your life that is in need. And he contrasted them uh, with someone that they would not have been very fond of. And so if we're going to talk about what does it mean to love our neighbor as ourself, as the church. Okay, and again, don't forget, this is not about something you need to do just to give you a checklist. This is back to we're trying to find peace in our lives. And I want you to understand, if you don't have a, a right relationship with God, and if you don't have right relationships with those that are around us, our other brothers and sisters, whether we necessarily agree with everything they say or not, you are not going to have peace in your life. And that largely has to do with why this world is so crazy, because we have... we. We have Christians that are more apt to post their third cousin Billy's message on Facebook that is either talking pro-mask, anti-mask, pro-vaccine, anti-vaccine, and we're more concerned with separating and demonizing than we are as a church with just loving people right where they are regardless of their opinion. Do you know that it's actually possible to disagree with someone have a completely different opinion and still love them. That's the church that Jesus calls us to be. That's the church that he calls us to be. There's this passage that I was going to share earlier and I didn't. Um, so it's, uh, it's in Philippians. Let me get over here. I don't, I don't have it marked. This is what it says. Chapter two, verse five. It says, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. So he's basically saying, this is what Jesus did. You should do this too. Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And in a day and age where it just seems like we are ready to jump out and find leaders that abuse power and take advantage of the influence they have, the Son of God said, look, I'm down here. I know I'm like God, but I'm not going to choose what's best for me. I'm not going to go necessarily with my freedoms all the time. I'm actually going to be obedient to loving people the way that we were made to love each other. And I'm willing to sacrifice, even if necessary, my life. And that's the Jesus they said, you come to me if you're weary and I'll give you rest. But it's only gonna happen 
if you're loving me with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and if you're loving your neighbor as yourself. I know the world's crazy, uh, and we're gonna wrap up here in a second. I know it, <clears throat> that the things around us seem out of control, and, and here's what happens when things start to get a bit out of control. We start to panic. We start to do things that we wouldn't normally do. And then each and every one of us, this is what we're prone to. We're prone to start looking for someone to save us. And so for some of us, that's a president. For some of us, that's a doctor. For some of us, that's a teaching pastor. All right, for some of us, it's just making sure that we're on the right side of the line, okay? We just wanna be right. And if we're right, at least we're comfortable there. And so we're constantly looking for something to save us or someone to save us. And I have some bad news. When it comes to your emotional and physical and mental and especially your spiritual health, there is no one else coming. There is no one else coming that can give you the rest that your soul needs. But the good news is someone already has. And as a church, as individuals, I believe that we have to get back to the basics. And we have to recognize that Jesus is saying, come to me if you're weary and if you're heavy laden, I will give you rest. But that means that you are going to have to love me with everything you have and you're gonna have to love everybody else the same way. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm going to call us as a church not because I'm doing it, because I believe that God is calling us into a season of a covenant, okay? A covenant is a relation, it's, a, it's an agreement between two people and or a group of people and between God. And so I believe God would have us walk forward in a covenant committing to two things in this season. The first is this, for 40 days, we together are going to commit to 40 days straight of engaging God through reading scripture and to listening to him in prayer. We're going to go back to the basics together. And you might say, uh, I don't even have a Bible. Okay, don't raise your hand if you're in, I know that I get it. Okay, you might not have a Bible. We're going to make this very simple. There is an app. It's called the Bible app. It's made by YouVersion. I'm going to enter into a 40-day devotional on the Bible app that's already there. It's a 40-day devotional on resiliency and prayer. I think all of us could use a little bit more resiliency right now. And so there is a link. I think they, they may put it up right there. Gethope.net slash 40 days. You go to that link. Everything that you're going to need is going to be able to be there. All right. We're going to go through this together as a church starting next Monday, this upcoming Monday. And as we work through it um, weekly, I'm just going to be doing little videos that'll go up on our Facebook page, just letting you know how God's working in my life through it. You'll have an opportunity to comment. But, but together, we're going to move forward and getting back to the basics for the sake of our own lives and for the sake of the world around us. Because if we don't get this part right, the next part of loving our neighbors, there's no chance that's going to happen. The second part of the covenant is this. For 40 days, each one of us we're going to commit. I'm inviting you into committing to serving someone somewhere every single day for 40 days. I don't care if it's inside the church, outside the church. That's not the point. If you really want to get into what Jesus was talking about, what he's talking about is maybe somebody that's different than you are. Maybe they even stand on the other side of the line. But we're going to walk into this for 40 days together. It's a new day. It's a different day. We talked about that structural break. We talked about how things are crazy. But Jesus is saying, 
you come to me if you're weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so as a church, we're going to go back to the basics. And we're going to spend time engaging God through scripture, listening to him in prayer. And Jesus is going to do what only Jesus can do. And he's going to give us rest and he's going to fill our spirits. And from there, we're going to be able to go out and love our neighbors and themselves in a dark and hopeless world in a way that it desperately needs right now. We're going to do that together as God's church. Can we do it together? Can we? Yeah. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Hope Podcast. We appreciate you joining us as we tackle issues facing our modern world from a biblical perspective. To make sure you don't miss a message, please take a moment and hit the subscribe button. Also, if you're new to Hope and want to check out what we're about and how to be a part of our community, go to our next steps at gethope.net slash next. Let us know your story because we'd love to connect with you.